Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode here. We're going to get into a bunch of geeky goodness. and We're very happy to have you along with us as the Geek Buddies train keeps building and building and building. And more and more people jump on top and uh, jump inside the train as well. We appreciate it. Madly, I am uh, John Roca, the Outlaw producer, the Outlaw, and I'm also a producer, writer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. And all of us are massive Matrix fans, so we're going to get into that Matrix 4 trailer as our main topic today. The way the show works is that each of us presents a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, then we take a break and jump into our main topic. And as I just said, our main topic will be the Matrix for if you want to just jump to that, the time codes now are in the description of these chats, so you can jump to that and watch it. We still get your view, so you can jump to that and watch you, it if you want. Yes. Did you just say main taco? Main taco. Did you, did you say main taco real quick before did you I, said topic? I Maybe I just really want tacos. Maybe I, I just really want tacos. Me too, clearly, because I said it. I'm hungry as hell. I ate at 6 a.m., it is now almost 11 as we're recording this. So I'm hungry. Um, we're also going to get into uh, some Star Trek news that dropped. We're going to get into some Aquaman news that dropped. Uh, not just his outfits, but apparently Patrick Wilson found his way to the gym. So we're going to show some photos of that as well. Uh, and uh, But we're going to lead off the show with a major announcement from one of our in-house geek buddies. Oh, Michael Vogel, please take it away. Ah, well, if you are a fan of 80s cartoons, uh, you might remember a little show called Strawberry Shortcake. Uh, and turns out uh, Wild Brain, a Canadian studio, animation studio, is relaunching Strawberry Shortcake. 
uh, on YouTube, and uh, they have uh, in their announcement that came out, they said that to bring back Strawberry Shortcake, they started by hiring writer and showrunner Michael <laughs> Vogel, who helped launch the entertainment division of toy giant Hasbro Inc., uh, bringing back to life other older brands, including My Little Pony and G.I. Joe. Uh, and the company also hired designers to update Strawberry Shortcake, who first appeared as a rag doll in 1973. So there is the updated Strawberry wow. Shortcake. Uh, this is what I have been working on throughout the pandemic. Um, that is Strawberry Shortcake, Lime Chiffon, Lemon Meringue, Blueberry Muffin, and Orange Blossom hanging out in uh, Times Pear in Big Apple City, where Strawberry Shortcake now lives. Um, so yeah, so it's really exciting. Uh, I have been working with Wild Brain, which is a really awesome studio up in Vancouver for a while. Um, and we've been redeveloping this. It is launching exclusively on YouTube on Wild Brain Strawberry Shortcake YouTube channel. Um, bunch of content. It's going to start coming out in the next couple weeks. Uh, really cool, super fun, talented people on it. And it's been really fun to sort of reinvent her. Uh, in the article that announces, I have to be really careful to tell you what's in the article and not everything else that I know because <laughs> I know all of it. But in the article, it says... In this brand new iteration, Strawberry Shortcake is a young berry who, along with her cat Custard, moves in with her Aunt Praline in Big Apple City to fulfill her dream to become a star baker. Her almost exclusively white crew of friends, uh, all with flowing multicolored hair, have been replaced by a multiracial supporting cast with names like Orange Blossom and Blueberry Muffin. Um, so, that is coming out. Uh, I can also tell you that uh, this geek buddy uh, right over here to the other side of me, uh, Mr. McClung, yes. has written a few very funny episodes of Strawberry Shortcake that oh. will also be coming to a YouTube near you soon. Uh, and it's been super fun. So, yeah, after working on stuff at Hasbro, like Transformers and G.I. Joe and My Little Pony, it's fun to jump over and uh, continue with my slow crawl through every animated series that I watched as a kid <laughs> uh, and getting to work on a lot of them as an adult. Uh, this is awesome. I love the look of it. Looks very sweet. Looks fun. Looks interesting. Looks vibrant. Love that it's racially diverse. Very, very happy about that. Um, also, just an announcement here. They're going to be launching a short video directly on a Wild Brains YouTube channel on September 18th. So I guess that video will kind of give you an idea of what we're going to get uh, from uh, this uh, Strawberry Shortcake uh, uh, series here. And they're four-minute shorts. And mm -hmm. we were talking off camera before we started that I think we might do a couple of watch-alongs for Woo! the ones that Shannon wrote. So stay tuned for that. For the whiskey. <laughs> for the whiskey. Uh, it is. I do. I, I think I can say it is It is super sweet. I really do like the look. Like, we worked really hard on, uh, on making sure that it still felt sweet and felt like strawberry shortcake, but also felt yeah. new. But the other thing that I'm excited about uh, is that, and I've been saying this in a lot of meetings that I've had to be in where I'm like, we all know that Strawberry Shortcake as a brand is really sweet, but we're also yeah. excited to show how funny she can be. Like, we've really tried to push the comedy in this and make mm. the characters as fun and modern and silly as possible. Uh, so, yeah, so really excited for everybody to see it. And she'll appear in a Roblox core video game, toys, books, and Dippin' Dots ice cream treats. So that you don't just get to enjoy her new iteration on YouTube. You also get to enjoy her on merchandise and products and whatever. And this is, you know, Shannon, what was it like for you to get involved in this? I mean, the fact that you writing for five young girls, this must've been a hell of a challenge for you to put this stuff together and uh, make and write uh, shows that you think will reflect uh, that dynamic. How, what was your process for writing these uh, characters or writing these episodes? Well, I mean, part of the challenge the is, yeah. 
is uh, uh, it's it's shorter form storytelling, yes. which as Vogel had started on it, he had told me like, hey, hey get ready because this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up with ideas, you have to you have to kind of whittle them down um, to where they're interesting to watch, but where you still have room to put in the really funny comedy. I mean, when mm-hmm. I grew up in the 80s, remembering Strawberry Shortcake, yeah. it was always very sweet. Everyone always remembers the dolls that smell like fruit. But the thing that Mike really hammered home with myself and the other writers was make this as we want to make this as funny as possible. Uh, We want to make this as funny as possible while still being true to the characters that Mike redeveloped. And there would definitely be times in our writers rooms where I would assume like I've this is too far. Like this is too far. And and maybe there were a few times that it was too far, but but a lot of the times I would say, I mean, like, you know, the, the proof will be, the proof will be in the pudding. But, uh, but I think when it comes out, like Shannon would come in to the writer's room and he would be like, he would text me ahead of time. He'd be like, I have some, I have some ideas that you're going to, I'm sure you're going to shoot down. And then he would come up with ideas and he would say stuff. And I'd be like, ah, I feel like we can maybe do like he was always like pushing the envelope kind of to your point like yeah. uh my in working on my little pony and watching how successful that became when we worked on that version um you know there's definitely this is a girl focused show definitely the girls are the protagonist the girls are the lead and it is all about girl power but uh there's certain things in comedy that are universal and there's certain things in cartoons where you're like oh can we have a giant ray gun or a robot or can we do a play on Ocean's 11 and Shannon would come in with this like hey can we do this and I'd be like uh I think I think we could try I think we could try so it really kind of helped to push that envelope so that everything still remains sweet but we still get really really funny as well so it was fun yeah yeah uh, going back to the past and then re inventing it is something that is uh, as age-old in entertainment as there is but if you can do it uh and do it successfully then it can certainly lead to a, a revitalization of that franchise and judging just from the look and knowing the talent of you two as you and you two are part of the process i'm sure there are other talented people involved in this this looks like a lot of fun and uh i i personally i think we're gonna I think we're going to have to review the whole season at some point down the road. I will put myself through it. How many episodes are there? Do you know yet or can you say yet or no? I do know, but it's not in the article, so I am not going to say. (laughs) Fair enough. And remember, September 18th is when that is coming, so get ready, everybody. But just around the corner. Really, days away. Days away. So congratulations to you, Michael. No stress. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Congratulations (laughs) to it's like they said, the Armageddon, you know, it's Vogel. He'll be fine. He doesn't know how to fail. Just like Harry Stamper. There you go. All right. Uh, now that, that is a, that is a comparison that I will gladly take. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our next thing. And that's the Star Trek. Woo. My God. Star Trek day was yesterday as we're recording this massive, massive uh, uh, announcements were dropped. We got some trailers for Star Trek Picard season two. We got some trailers Woo! for the new. <laughs> The new animated series, Star Trek Prodigy, that has arguably maybe Vogel's favorite captain, Captain Janeway, in charge here. It is, it is not arguable. That's, She's okay. my favorite. She's your favorite. She's on this <laughs> as, in essence, maybe a hologram or robot. Or I don't know. Mm-hmm. But And then uh, we had uh, a, a cast announcement, a video for the new cast members joining uh, Strange New Worlds uh, for Star Trek with Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, uh, and other cast members as well. So all three of those trailers dropped. 
Um, I will wait on my reaction. Uh, I think I'm the biggest Star Trek fan of the three of us. I'll wait on my reaction. So, uh, Shannon, what did you think of let's, these trailers? Let's go with the obligatory Shannon McClung, a Star Trek is not really my thing <laughs> statement. Yeah, start with and then one. we'll go from there. Well, he's the one they want to win over. So did any of these trailers possibly win you over? I mean, Vogel essentially just quoted how I was going to start this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, what was interesting is at the end of us reviewing Picard season one, like I certainly like I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, that was that was a good ride. Again, I I like these characters. There's nothing really bringing me back. Like if we were to do it again, watching the trailer for Picard season three and again, not being a big next generation um, viewer, but I know the characters. I'm like, Mm. I know Q. Um watching the trailer for season two i was like oh that actually that actually does look kind of interesting okay okay maybe um watching the trailer for prodigy because i do know who uh captain janeway is kate yes kate mulgrew right um watching watching that i'm kind of like ah yeah i'm probably not gonna watch this one we'll see and then i got to the end of it i was like well, okay. I mean, that, yeah, that, that did look kind of interesting. And then New Worlds, because I don't watch Discovery, mm-hmm. um, watching Anson Mount and seeing how as they have Spock and they have all these touchstones back to the old series. Because uh, I really did like the first J.J. Abrams one, and I and even though I didn't necessarily grow up with those characters, I did like to see sort of the slight reinterpretation of all of them and seeing how they connect to the original series. I was like, okay, so if I watch Prodigy, if I watch season two of Picard, there's no way I'm gonna watch this other one. And then watching the cast announcement, I'm like, I think that's the one that actually looks the most interesting to me, and I don't, I don't know why that is right now because again i didn't watch discovery i didn't see anson mount on it yeah um but i'm like there is something about this and maybe it's just its connections to the past and i'm like i'm really curious how they reinterpret some of these characters for a modern day audience so at this point i don't know we'll see we'll see i mean (laughs) i may i may start all three we'll see we'll see if i get to the end but as of right now they they all have warranted at least a first two episode watch that's good all right, Mikey, your thoughts. I mean, I'm super, I, it is a great time to be, it's a great time to be a nerd just in general. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, we're watching, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and I was like, you know, I love that we're all adults and we're like freaking out over cartoons because of what if. <laughs> uh, you know, we've got Star Wars shows rolling out, we've got Marvel shows rolling out, and now Paramount Plus is coming in strong with, you know, we already have Star Trek Discovery, which, you know, people have really kind of come around on uh, and has turned into a really, really great kind of different vibe for a Star Trek show, but a show that people like. Uh, If you're an animation person and you're a Star Trek fan, Lower Decks is hilarious. It's a ton of fun. And now we've got all of this coming out. Um, I I don't know what I'm more... I'm, I'm kind of equally excited for each in a different way. Um, Prodigy, like, I just think the animation looks really cool in Prodigy, and I love the concept of these aliens that we've never really seen before that look, that are younger because it's kind of a Nickelodeon show, it's a younger age show, but the idea that they find a Federation starship but know nothing about the Federation. Right. And that each one of them in their own way learn about the ideals of the Federation through this adventure that they're going on. So it's sort of like it's Star Trek, but it's like a Star Trek in a way that we've never it's not a new crew. It's right. not, you know, like like they just they really kind of zigged in a different way. And I think like you had mentioned, John, yeah. I what what I had heard is that the 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 Janeway character is kind of like a hollow teacher, a holographic 
uh, part of the ship. So it is Janeway, but it's not Janeway, which I also right. think is really interesting. And yeah, I mean, she's there's coffee in that nebula. Like she's my, <laughs> she's my girl. Janeway. So that, I mean, as an animation person, I'm really interested in the style. I think the alien characters are really well designed. Looks looks super, super cool. Yeah. Um, Strange New Worlds, I think, is great. Like, in watching Discovery, I really liked Anson Mount as Pike. I really Mm -hmm. thought, like, uh, Spock was great. I really thought it was cool. I love that they're taking, like, the original Star Trek pilot before we got to Kirk and the crew that we knew and kind of making that canon and expanding it out. And I think that that one is maybe lined up to feel... I don't know this for sure, but the vibe I get is that it's going to feel the most like classic Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like these are going to be those classic Star Trek adventures where you're just exploring and running into like weird kind of sci-fi stories and that it's going to have like that throwback feel to it, yeah. which I think will be really fun. And then Picard season two, I, they came in guns blazing. Oh, like I like I really enjoyed Picard season one. I think it's a little uneven, but as a hardcore next generation guy, I think next yeah. generation is really my jumping on point for becoming a super, super Trek guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those characters. So just seeing them period was great. And I really liked some of the new characters. I liked the mystery with the Romulans. Um, I liked tying in the Borg because who doesn't love the Borg? But right. like with season two, they were like, all right guys, we're bringing in Q. We're gonna bring in the Borg queen. Yes. And we're going full-time travel because Star Trek The Voyage Home is a banger of a movie. And who doesn't love to see the, the Federation future characters running around in the modern day? Like, so it's like they've just lined it up to be like, we're going to give you all the things you want and wrap it up in a really cool time travel story. And like yeah. Picard going full back to the future, I'm into it. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll pick up where you uh, left off and then work my way back through the other two. But Picard season two is the one that steps out in terms of, uh, stands out for me in terms of trailers. I loved it. It's great to see Picard and great to see a little bit of cussing done correctly uh, in Star Trek when Q shows up. He's, I'm tired of your bull, bull hockey. And I, lo- I loved what that moment between them and having, um, God, what's his name? John, what's his character? I forget the actor's name. Delancey. John Delancey. Having John Delancey there looking looking cool as hell with that gray mustache and beard and the hair. Oh, great. Toe-to-toe with him and Picard. He is the Joker to his Batman always, always, and forever. And I love it that he's going to be a central part of this. Then this idea of combining Man in the High Castle with Star Trek Four is so yeah. interesting, right? Having this idea, this totalitarian regime. Picard apparently is in charge of this totalitarian regime. So will there be two Picards going at each other at some point down the road in this uh, situation. We don't know. Love Seven of Nine coming back. Love her being part of it. The entire crew coming back uh, uh, to be a part of it as well as exciting. And it looks like, yeah, you're getting Star Trek Four with Seven of Nine and Rafi kind of hanging out together, doing the things that they're doing. What are they going to figure out? And that's the way to get people back involved. Plus, although it is, uh, it does have the Borg Queen, it does have Q, it still feels like they're paying the right amount of respect to to next generation but they're also moving forward in their own way and i felt like season one spent too much time being about next generation maybe this feels like we're moving into a whole new area uh and 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 staking our own claim and it's what they did with star trek discovery as well in season three we're cutting ourselves off almost completely from that whole stuff that we did in seasons one and two and building out our own world to stand on our own two feet. And I love that. So very yeah. excited for that. Yeah. So question, uh, yeah. because I haven't watched Discovery and I yeah. know 
Vogel likes season one. Roka's a, a bit iffy on it. Um, starting with season three, if it is a true disconnect, yeah. um, can could one come in and start with season three? Or do you need to have uh, a decent amount of knowledge from the first two seasons? I, th- I think if you watch a recap of one and two, you're fine to jump into season three. You do not need to okay. watch all those episodes. Season, season three is very much a departure and yeah. really does set up. Like, there's definitely some references to things that happened yes. in the first two seasons, particularly, like, with Michelle Yeoh's character. Uh, right. But, like, but it's it's probably a good jumping off point where you would have to text some friends and be like, I'm really enjoying this. What does this mean? Right. Okay. Or, get or Google it and, it, and you'll get the answers. But it's not enough to make you lose the overall effect of season three. So that's what I would say. Um, yeah, I also on, just based on the trailer for Picard season two, and I don't know that this is a hundred percent true, but it does, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm always on board with bringing in like stuff that you love from the stuff as long as mm-hmm. from previous versions, as long as it makes sense. And I think what's cool about the Borg queen yeah. is that the Borg, no time travel. Like that's yes. pretty well established from first contact. And so it does seem like Q does something future bad we need to go back how do we go back right. borg queen like it like it it seems like it's a pretty clear sort of progression where you're yeah. like oh that's a cool way to bring that in so i'm i'm stoked yeah. plus it adds more an element of um combustibility to the situation because the borg queen and picard have a history the borg and picard have a well, history so waking her up does this as this, and so and seven of nine as well exactly what i was gonna the say conflicts that come aboard with this situation that could blow up in Picard's face. Will he have? Remember, he had that PTSD for years afterwards from the Borg stuff. So when he was a part of the collective, so will he yeah. have that again in season two? I'm curious. Yeah, and, and the Borg Queen, and yeah, the Borg Queen played a pretty prominent role yes. in the later seasons of Voyager as well. So like, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot there with Seven of Nine, a lot there with Picard. Like, ooh, I am, I am in. I'm in, y'all. Yeah, agreed, uh, and it's exciting to see that as well. And then we move on. And I liked Prodigy. You know, I was—I'm not a fan of Lower Decks. I, I tried it. It just—it's the humor is just not for me. Nor am I. But I'm not judging anyone who likes I mean, in any way, shape, or form. Just not my cup of tea. This feels like my cup of tea. This feels like something I could really get into. Love all the voiceover work. Being a Mansukas making a second career doing voiceovers. It's Seriously. D. Bradley Baker is in this. You've got a lot of cool voices who are roaming around in this. Uh, Jimmy Simpson is in this. John Noble for, is in this as the villain. So a lot of really good voices. And Janeway. And so she's the perfect choice to kind of lead this young crew. And the way that trailer ends saying, I see a lot of potential here. I love that. Oh. That's great. Gives you, you know, kind of motivation to keep going. So once again, it's smart to touch well, base with the past, but also move forward with the future. It's smart. And Alex Kurtzman on Star Trek Day, when they were doing all these mm-hmm. announcements, uh, Will Wheaton was kind of interviewing him as he's sort of like the 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 architect right. of all of these shows. He's the, th- the, the, the creative glue that connects it. Mm-hmm. And he said a really great thing that I think is true of Star Trek, which is that he was like, look, Star Trek is all about hope and all about optimism. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like any version of this, as different as Discovery is from Lower Decks, as it will be from Prodigy, as is yeah. from Picard and all the different versions, that ultimately it is a very optimistic view of the future. And yeah. the, the ideals of the Federation are very optimistic. And he was like, look, we are in such divided times right now, arguably as divided, if not more so, than we were when Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. And so that now more than ever is a great time to have so much of this uh, Trek content because we kind of need it. Like we need that sort of North Star. And and as much as I am probably more of a Star Wars guy than I am a Trek guy, 
I really do love the optimism of this universe, and uh, and I'm excited to see more of it. Well, we appreciate you when you visit our universe. We appreciate it when you Star Wars fans visit our universe. Um, the other thing is, I loved the new Strange New Worlds uh, cast introduction because that's my Star Trek. The original series is my Star Trek, and this is the original original series, right. which is teased in the Menagerie. So having that be the way they go with Captain Pike, that younger Spock, having all these characters come in, from the original series that we saw as the original pilot now actually getting their own series is great to see and rebecca romaine reprising again that character that major barrett played in in the original cast uh, of the pilot of the series is great to see nurse chapels up in this as a young a young uh, uh, character as well so seeing all that plus they have a relative a descendant i think of, of khan that, that, that name that that name is a uh, that name that name is pretty uh pretty specific for um oh I forget the uh uh what yeah, yeah Christina Chong playing the intriguingly yeah. named Laan Noonien Singh which Sing. uh yep so that that uh I'm sure I'm sure that that will be a thing it's fantastic I'm so excited I'm so excited and uh, you know uh, just to let you know a little plug here. Uh, Steve Morris and uh, I was the guest of Steve Morris and Scott Mance on their Enterprise Incidents, and we talked Bad Seed, which is the first introduction of Khan in the original series. We talked about that on that episode if you want to go find it. But yeah, this is exciting, and it's a very diverse cast, which is what the original uh, series was really pushing diversity. The Star Trek uh, series that came after the original series that came after had, you know, Russian, had we have a young Uhura in this as well, seeing Uhura in this as well. So so much to excitement for me overall as a Star Trek fan. This is why I have Paramount Plus. This is why I buy it yearly because I don't want to waste time with the monthly thing. I am hooked every year to watch this Star Trek content and see if it's something that I enjoy. Oh. So great, great day for me. That is why that is why Paramount Plus is doing it. So they thank you. That that <laughs> is that is their goal and yeah. well done. I don't give a shit about their movies. I don't give a shit about the uh, anything else on there. It's the Star Trek stuff, Star Trek stuff that keeps me there. So, uh, all right. Any more final words on this, or shall we jump to the next subject? Well, and they have Yellowstone and Paramount Plus has Yellowstone. Yellowstone's yeah. really good. So- <laughs> if you say so. Not that second season though. Soapy <laughs> as fuck. All right, let's uh, move on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, yeah, the redhead apparently can do anything. And oh yeah, whatever. All right, let's move on to uh, and Costner gets away with all of it. Just every time, just get away with it. Uh, all right. Uh, so anyway. John, so John, how do you feel about the show though? <laughs> oh, let, me, let me look at another older white male getting away with breaking the rules all the time, but making everybody else follow the rules. Fuck off. All right, uh, let's move on to our next thing. Aquaman, what do you got, Shannon? <laughs> speaking of speaking of speaking of soap, something that goes in water. We're talking Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> so oh. earlier this week, Jason Momoa on his Instagram, he he put up two pictures. One was him uh, in the classic orange and green outfit that we saw him at the end of the first movie, and the second is in his new suit. Which, if you were an Aquaman comics reader in the 80s, so this suit is actually based off of, I believe it was a four-issue miniseries. I got it much later when it was all sort of in one kind of big hardback. Um, But yeah, this is a suit that he wears. It's based off of a suit he wore briefly in the 80s. I think they're calling it the stealth suit. It sort of looks like, sort of like what you would wear for camouflage in the water. And I just so happen to have this guy right here. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, good. I have a use for this. My (laughs) ex-wife was wrong all those years ago. It was (laughs) useful. Uh (laughs) Nice. 
Yikes. <laughs> All right. Um, but so they released that suit. And, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, like, like this, a, a literal translation of this would not have worked for the screen. Would that be good camouflage in, in, in the, the, the lower, the, the deep trenches of the ocean? Yeah, probably. Is it a little boring uh, that maybe i mean it's it's tough to it's tough to talk about it outside of the context of the film i mean he, he you know he's just on this like kind of uh d- almost like a desert backdrop so i mean but jason momoa is is a is a cool handsome dude i'm like the dude looks good in anything this yeah. suit is no exception and they also released james wan released on his instagram two days later the first look at patrick wilson's orm so or the, the the ocean master Literally. and a lot of uh yeah a lot of folks have talked about he's a little more like tom hanks and castaway here yeah and yes apparently on whatever deserted island he's on they have a gym um because the dude is i mean the, he's always been in pretty good shape but i mean yeah. he is next level ripped i mean he's not quite momoa level ripped but he's but he's getting there so uh, right. the just the look of him is like oh so he's literally been banished to the surface like okay that's kind of that's kind of a cool place where we're going to find warm i mean the the fact that this movie is called aquaman and the lost kingdom so in the first uh film they talk about the seven kingdoms of atlantis and there's a the the little the literal seventh one disappeared they haven't been able to find it so where how is orm's uh uh banishment going to affect the plot uh yaya abdul mateen actually commented on momoa's post talking about he's not the only one with a new suit so you know we still have black mantas new duds to come along as well but gentlemen what did we think at the very small look at uh the from aquaman and the lost kingdom mikey i here's my thoughts Mm -hmm. i really don't like that first aquaman movie but I really like Jason Momoa. Yes. I really like Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Like, I like, I like everyone in the movie for the most part. And I like the ideas in the movie. And so I am on board to be excited for Aquaman 2. I, I think Momoa is so charming. And I just like the dude that it's like I want to like the Aquaman movies. And so my desire to like them is going to like lead me through this. Even though like I sat there in that first Aquaman movie, we sat in the theater and I was like, oh, God. Like it was it was it was a rough one. And and then we came out and everyone was like, oh, you're being you're being dumb. Like it was fun. And I'm like, I get it. And like, I think even in that movie. Hold on, on. Mike, hold on. Oh, I think I can hear Kalinowski screaming from here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Somewhere. Every time, every time I talk about, every time I talk about DC, every time I talk about DC, wherever Kalinowski is, his eye starts twitching. Uh, But yeah, like I, I, I am on board to like it. I, I want them to use Black Manta more. I want them to build out this mythology. And so, like, I'm, I'm excited to see more of it uh, and see where it goes. Maybe it'll be like the, it'll be the reverse of Wonder Woman for me. And and we want them to use Black Manta better. Like yes, that, yes. Watching Yahya Abdul Mateen's work in Candyman, in Watchmen, it's like, oh, you kind of gave him a raw deal mm-hmm. on that first Aquaman movie. Like, give him some better stuff because the guy, the guy's an electric performer. Sorry, yeah. John. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I know people like James Wan, and I respect people liking James Wan, but he doesn't always get it right, ladies and gentlemen. So if you look at as a director, not every movie he's done is fantastic. All right. I know people like Saw. 
Uh, but de- death sentence, you know, I know people like Insidious, but uh, a lot of people like Conjuring 2. And, you know, we'll see what the uh, malignant reaction is going to be. I didn't like Aquaman at, as well, Mike. It got me into a little bit of trouble when I was working at Collider. Uh, Perry Nemiroff and I did not like it. And she got death threats on her Instagram, on her uh, DMs. I did not because they know I'll come to your house and kill you. So I, I, I did not. But I, I got a lot of flack on the comment section. Because I said it was boring and it was paint by numbers filmmaking for such a fantastic film that went all over. Now, I've subsequently watched it since. And there are some really good scenes in the movie. Certainly yeah. everything with Cole Kidman is fucking excellent. Uh, and you just and I think what Shannon said is absolutely right. They didn't use these characters as well as they should have. And we want them to use them better in the second movie. And I hold out hope that they do. Just because I don't like a first installment doesn't mean I won't go back to a second installment because I like the character. And so I'm excited for it. And this is what Shanna is referencing. This is the kind of older 1980s kind of thing. What's old is new again. Look there to that outfit. And according to that story, uh, this is uh, from 1986 Aquan number one by Neil Posner and Craig Hamilton. It involved the Atlantean offshoot community, Tirna Nog Og. Am I saying that right, uh, Shannon? Tirna Tirna Nog Og or Og? Uh, Sounds it's good loosely, to me. It's loosely based on, on Celtic mythology. Uh, and this basic, the new blue costume had natural camouflage properties that allowed Aquaman to blend into the seafloor's color scheme. Upon reaching Tirna Na'og, Aquaman becomes embroiled in a battle for several different magical artifacts, which become vital to defeating his brother, the Ocean Master. Uh, and he also realizes that his feud with his brother is part of a long line of wars between brothers in Atlantis. Getting that from CBR.com. So just want to give them credit. But yeah, so that's exciting. So clearly they're adjusting this costume to perhaps make that story be the, the foundation of the story they're telling in the sequel. And maybe that's why Ocean Master looks the way he does. He said, Shannon, banished to the earth, but also looking for these artifacts, obsessed with possibly finding these artifacts himself. He lets himself go and look in a certain way so that he can find these things. So it's exciting to see this. I'm looking forward to it. I hope he gets it right with the sequel. I like the outfits. Momo looks fantastic, Jesus Christ. So I'm excited to see more from this world. A little less of the jokey jokies little more of the dialed into what we're talking about like the trench sequence was fucking awesome a little more of that vibe and mentality yeah. would be nice so there yeah it. and i will say that anytime that you're going to give me nicole kidman playing kate blanchett and how to train your dragon 2 i am here for it <laughs> so wow. more of that i'm fine more of that i'm on board Aussie to Aussie to oh, no, Aussie, yes. oh yeah anyway all right there you go that's our overall uh thoughts uh, shannon anything more to add to that uh, for your story no, I mean, just pretty much to echo what you guys said. I mean, I'm I'm the Aquaman fan amongst the three of us, and I was thrilled that we got the movie, but I also acknowledge the the many, many faults with the movie. But as you guys said, there are some fantastic sequences in it. Um, there's some great performances in it. Let's just hope we get more of the stuff that was good and less of the stuff that wasn't so good. And that will be coming out, I believe, December 16th of next year, 2022. Yeah. Wow. Woo. We got a while to go. Um, All right, we're going to take a quick break here. That's our geek news items for this first section of the show. And then we're going to jump into the Matrix 4, Matrix Resurrections uh, trailer that dropped um, as we're recording this earlier today and get into everything we thought about it right after this. (laughs) 
It's from the it's from the first movie when Morpheus has taken him into the Matrix and he spots the woman in the oh, red dress. It's okay. there. I really, I really wanted you to just do that, like, like I can't do it. But I, I thought I was... about well, yeah, I th- I thought about that, but I can't do it well either. <laughs> did you try though? Like, do you like? Did you like when you're like planning what you're doing? Do you like look at yourself in the mirror and like sing to yourself and try and? You would think after however long we've done this that that's something that I would have the foresight to do, but right. it's always after John has hit record that I'm like, shit! Ah! <laughs> so, no, I did not practice the wah! That's what we're getting into. That's right. <laughs> I did not, I did not practice that. <laughs> I had that cut out for my uh, thing earlier. All right, anyway, uh, let's get into this thing. The Matrix Resurrections trailer dropped from uh, Lana Wachowski and Warner Brothers. Lana is one half, of course, of the Wachowski sisters. Lana stepping in. Lily uh, being uh, working on another show, so did not have the time to uh, commit to creating this uh, new installment in the Matrix franchise. It's over 20 years since we got the first installment of the Matrix, but a little around 20 years since we got the last installment of the Matrix. I was Shannon with us, Mike, for our 5 a.m. viewings of Reloaded and Revolutions. I don't remember, but it was a horrific experience for everybody involved, even and and just sitting at Mel's with nobody talking at all, like the shawarma scene at the end of the Avengers. That's basically how it was for Reloaded Revolutions. But we are back, and uh, gentlemen, I already did my trailer reaction, so I'll come up behind you guys. Uh, tell, talk to me. What do you, do you guys think about this trailer, Mike? Let's start with you. Uh, I'm cautiously excited yeah i i look and i you know as as somebody on twitter was pointing out earlier uh look i know that there are a lot of people that actually really enjoy the second and third movies and i will say that like my experience of the second and third movies is a lot of really really cool ideas yes uh that maybe got a little bit too much uh you know like i i love the first matrix i think the first matrix is one of my favorite top 10 movie going experiences of my life because Mm -hmm. I thought we were going in to see a shitty, kind of mediocre Keanu Reeves sci-fi film, and then my face was blown off. So it was great for me. Uh, and then the second and third, I thought, I think the second one I kind of came out like, okay, and like, I, I'll disagree with John a little bit. I think the second one, when we came out of it after the 5 a.m. screening, there was a lot of conjecture. There was a lot of, well, I think it's going to be this, and maybe they're going to do this. I think after the third one, we came out and we were kind of a little disappointed, but I yeah. know that. A lot of people, particularly a lot of people that kind of watched all three together uh, for the first time once they were all out on video, uh, have different opinions on them. So I will say watching this, I think they were very smart in this trailer to hit a lot of the beats and the moments that we remember from that first movie. Yeah. This movie, this this trailer is a lot of nostalgia, but nostalgia in a good way. Like, uh, you know... Uh, Mr. Anderson is back in a world where he doesn't quite fit in. He doesn't know why. He's questioning his reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even like him taking all of those blue pills to sort of keep under control. Definitely a reference to the red and blue pills. We get your world is opening up. We get the white rabbit. Uh, we get a kung fu scene. You know, we get sort of we see that moment with him and Trinity where they don't know each other. So like you're really kind of building us up to say, okay, this is this is the world that you remember from that first movie. Um, and because this is just the first trailer, and because it's Lana Wachowski, and because it's The Matrix, you know, obviously everything is a lot more than what it seems. I've heard some rumors about some things that seem really cool, but like all in all, like I came out of this trailer and I was like, this 
is really what I want. I'm really intrigued, but because I don't have the best feeling about the second two movies, I'm, there's also that nervousness of like, am I getting the first Matrix? Are we are we back on track, or are we going to bite off a little more than we could chew? Fair, fair. Shannon, what did you think about this one? You know, I only watched it once uh, this morning, okay. and visually, it is you know it is dazzling. Like it's 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 an inc- it looks like it's going to be an incredible visual feast for the eyes i did recognize you know some of the beats that seem pretty similar to the first movie and it's like oh are they kind of kind of do a force awakens where they have the blueprint of the first movie Mm. and they're going to hit those same beats because the first movie is sort of universally loved um you get a little deeper into the trailer and you see there are there are going to be some differences you have a little you know some of the different cast members you see you know uh uh, keanu reeves is rocking his full john wick look um (laughs) yes and you know the again the visually it just looks so cool jessica henwick the you know what we see of her she looks awesome um what will it be i don't know because Going into the second and the third one, like the third one, I think I was actually I liked it a little bit more because Mm -hmm. the second one I was sort of so let down by. Um, And I remember the trailer, the first trailer for The Matrix Reloaded. And I'm like, they they may have broken movies. I mean, this looks so amazing. And then you watch it and it's like, this isn't and and like right off the bat, I'm like, something doesn't seem right. Something's like something's just not landing right. And by the time you get to that huge freeway chase that we were all so excited about. And you're seeing the silver dreadlock twins. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. And then you actually experience the sequence. It's like, huh, this mm-hmm. is just, this is a situation where the trailer um, was a lot more satisfying than the movie. And then by the time we got to the third one, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't, I think it will not go down in history as one of the better trilogies, mm-hmm. but it, it ended, it ended on a decent note. I feel like you, okay. you had the matrix, you went reloaded, you went revolutions. So if they can sort of recapture the magic that made that first one so incredibly enthralling and good, and at the same time build upon it, um, that sounds like the ideal situation. Will they be able to do it? We'll see. I mean, a lot of the Wachowskis work post the matrix i mean i know vogel loves speed racer i will um, fight anybody on speed racer <laughs> i will fight anybody on it but it's between that and jupiter ascending it's like yeah. uh, maybe maybe you only had that one good one in you or maybe lily was the albatross or albatross around lana's neck and we're gonna get to see that lana's the one lana was the genius we'll see she was the neo um yeah I, i'll be honest with you i loved it i thought it was great um I'm not cautiously optimistic. I'm more excited than anything else. Well, 98% excited, 2% scared. I'm, I'm very excited uh, for... The- <laughs> how many, it's how a, many Armageddon fans? It's Armageddon. <laughs> it's an Armageddon day today. I like it. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I, I did a trailer reaction for this. Uh, it's on the channel now if you want to watch that solo. And it was for an hour. And people, sp- I had uh, almost 1,300 people watch it. 250 people watching me live, leaving their comments, leaving their thoughts. And, and it was great to see the speculation. So the fact that so many people were still willing to kind of dive in and speculate about it. A number of people left comments saying, I was not excited for this at all, but then I saw the trailer. Now I'm in. It means that the trailer did its job, which is to get you back in love with the franchise, 
get you hoping that it's going to open doors to more levels here. And there's a lot to speculate on. What is Yaya Abdul-Mateen's role here? Yes, you're saying he's the young Morpheus, but then you see him in the agent outfit at the end. You see him wearing the glasses, but then he's still looking at the mirror all weird and stuff. He doesn't know what's going yeah. on. You see him fighting him in the dojo, but he's wearing red instead of the white that he wears in the 99 Matrix. And he gets his butt kicked in the dojo as well. Neo clearly still has his power in in uh, the the uh, in uh, Zion and all that area, and also in the Matrix. He's able to stop bullets. He's able to you know manipulate rockets. We get the helicopter and the rooftop, very reminiscent of 99 Matrix. So there's a lot of stuff here. But I've seen some speculation that Priyanka Chopra's character was in here for a few seconds with the Alice in Wonderland book that she is Satie from Revolutions, the young yeah. Indian girl that gets uh, gets taken in there and that she may be the new Oracle. We pause it on the Neil Patrick Harris moment. He's wearing blue glasses. He's got a blue butterfly in a cage. He's wearing a blue sweater. So clearly, is he part of the Matrix to keep Neo or Thomas Anderson kind of subdued so it doesn't affect what's going on overall? Them not knowing each other felt very reminiscent to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. What is the vibe there? Then when they're inside the Matrix, is she really still alive? Because the last we saw her, she died with a projectile through her body. So is this a program they've created to spark Neo's reaction. Jessica Henwick, as you said, she has the rabbit. He is once again following a woman with rabbit tattoo into the Matrix, literally through the looking glass, the mirror there, into the Matrix. So what is all of that going to lead us to? I'm excited. Somebody speculated that Yaya Abdul-Mateen's character might have been a, is maybe a program that's been created to spark Neo's trust because he's reminiscent of Morpheus. I speculate even further because Jada Pinkett's in the cast that maybe Niobe is the one who's created this program to get Neo to come back into the Matrix because she knew Morpheus and Neo's relationship. So there's a lot here to explore, and that's what you wanted. Questions? Visually, great speculation. What are the possibilities here with all these characters? So for me, I think the trailer did its job. Absolutely looks beautiful, looks gorgeous. There's not a lot of hand-to-hand fight scenes. So what does that mean? Um, there is one agent coming back from the second movie from Reloaded. Daniel Bernhardt, I think, is the actor's name. He's back as that agent from the second movie. No, no, no uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who said he was not even asked. No Hugo Weaving, who said he didn't want to do it. So, but I heard that. World. Yeah. But I heard that even though Hugo Weaving's not in it, Agent Smith is oh. in it. That makes sense. I heard. I heard. So who will be playing Agent Smith? Like, what is that going to mm. be? Like, I, I think you're right. And I will say, uh, as someone who probably has not revisited uh, the second two Matrix films uh, as much as I've revisited the first one, mm. this is the other thing this mo- this trailer did. I am 1,000% going back and yeah. watching all three Matrix movies because I'm going to spend the next couple months absolutely speculating the the Mephisto out of everything on this movie (laughs) Um, because I'm super, I will say that like as much as I'm cautiously optimistic as you're talking about it, I can kind of feel those geek juices flowing. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Got to go watch, got to go watch that. And I, I think that for me, what I love about the first Matrix movie yeah. that I think the Wachowskis did so good is, as batshit crazy as it all is, mm-hmm. it works very basically on a hero's journey fairy tale formula. I mean, yep. it is a you know, it is the the hero who steps outside of the world that he's in, finds out he's the chosen one, has to embrace who he is. You even get like the the true love's kiss kind of moment with him and Trinity. Like yep. like it really is kind of tied to these like sort of more mythological things. And I think that then when 
with the second two movies, there is a lot of like the Wachowskis' philosophies on stuff and the way mm-hmm. that they think about things. And like it, it, it was a lot. And I think that there's good stuff in there. And if they can take some of the best parts of those movies and yeah. kind of get it all into like a nice filter where it's a little bit more streamlined in this, I think it could be a ton of fun. I think for me, the things that really were the standouts were the moment when him and Trinity, you know, touch and she's like, do we know each other? Yeah. Like just this idea that they're both back and we don't really know why Trinity's back and what's going on, but the fact that they're both back in this in this matrix and not really knowing each other on that journey. Yeah. Um, like I said, the blue pills, I just thought it was, in, you know, like, you know, we, we, we all know that classic moment of take the red pill or the blue pill and he takes the red pill, but just seeing so many blue pills mm-hmm. that are the pills that are supposed to keep you sedated and Neil Patrick Harris kind of having those very clearly blue glasses. Yeah. Uh, I think that really, really kind of got me excited. Um, and that just the moments of like mirrors are a big thing in this. Like obviously yeah. like they're traveling, like that moment from the first movie where he touches the mirror, it's like they're doubling down. You have that, you have that moment with Mateen where he does it. You have them walking through mirrors. You yeah. also have those moments where Neo is John Wick Neo, but his reflection is that old Neo that he sees. So like, you know, is that what he really looks like? So there's a lot of questions that the trailer brings up, but questions in a really fun way. Yeah. Shannon? Yeah, you know, you know, thinking about um, one of the reasons The Matrix by itself was so just kind of revolutionary was they were only doing one movie and they didn't know if it was going to hit. And you look at in the past where a where a studio has sort of endeavored to make, hey, we're going to make two and three at the same time. And more often than not you might get get like a visual spectacle, but sometimes the storytelling does suffer. And I, and I think Matrix 2 and 3 is an example of that. I think Pirates 2 and 3 is an example of that. I think the only time it really kind of worked out was Back to the Future 2 and 3, and some people would argue that it didn't work out. I would. Um, yeah, yeah, well, there you go. And you'd be, and you'd be, you'd be wrong, which is <laughs> fine. You're allowed I, to I be. don't What the hell? All right, go ahead. That second but, one, give me a break. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that they were able to focus on one story, like mm-hmm. don't plan, let's not plan six chapters down the road. Like let's just, let's plan one story. Can we get this one story right? Hopefully the the um, lack of expectations of having to shoulder two movies, hopefully that will benefit the sort of creative process. And also mm-hmm. would this have happened without the success of John Wick? Would this have happened yeah, without the- Keanu sense that you know that has been happening the past few years how he's become just you know beloved by the public like you see all these incredible stories about him on on social media where right. he's giving it he's giving up his subway seat to some to to a woman on the train he you know he there was there was a flight was canceled and he kind of flew on this very kind of you know puddle jumper with a bunch of other uh, just regular folks just like you and me yeah. um so uh, you know it Hopefully they have capitalized on that as best they can. Um, I'm really, I'm really curious. Again, such a, I don't want to say like a bad taste, but so sort of underwhelmed by the closing chapters of the of the original trilogy has ha, have tempered my expectations quite a bit. Yeah, we have to remember the Wachowskis were going through some transition stuff with themselves while they were making those last two movies. Remember, it was four years later that those two films came out in the same year, for the love of God. And so it's like, which is really rare for a trilogy to have them drop in the same year. So they were, and then of course they transitioned into becoming women. So it's like they were going through a lot of stuff in their own minds. So maybe now that they've settled, it's been a bit and, and it's been a few years. 
there's a new approach to this from Lana's point of view, at least. And I'm sure her and, and, and Lily had conversations on the phone yeah. or on text or in person about like, hey, I want to do this. What do you think about this? So she may not be credited, but I'd be damned if Lily didn't have some kind of input or at least be a sounding board for Lana as she went forward with well, this uh, install. And it is. I mean, I, I'm glad you said that because it was something mm -hmm. I was thinking about as well, which is that there's been a lot of articles about kind of revisiting the Matrix movies with the understanding that they were yeah. created by uh, by 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 two uh, by two people who were about to go through that transition and yeah. become trans women, and so I think that like when you go back and rewatch the Matrix, and it's this movie about being trapped in a world but not being really who you are and yeah. stepping outside of that into like your real body and like there's there when you go back and watch it through the filter of this was this was created by by somebody who was trans it, yeah you there's a lot of things that you pick up there that you didn't necessarily think about that way on the first viewing mm -hmm. and i think that lana being um being someone who is uh, you know, further in her life, more comfortable in the skin that she's living in, kind of revisiting this world yeah. uh, and being obviously clearly much more open with the life that she's living. Um, I think it might be really interesting. I think there yeah. might be some really interesting elements to that uh, that, that could really uh, make the storytelling interesting and more powerful. So I'm de it's definitely something that I was thinking about as I was watching the trailer. Well, and certainly the commentary of the blue pills, right? I mean, as a, as a, someone who's probably going, who probably went through a number of visits to a therapist or to a psychiatrist or psychologist, you know, maybe that Neil Patrick Harris character is kind of symbolizing that process. The blue pills symbolizing kind of what you, what they initially prescribed to you to deal with these things as you're transitioning, as you're having these feelings, some kind of misguided diagnosis. So anything, anything to keep you from becoming who you actually are or numbing the desire uh, thinking that it's wrong within yourself to do that. You know, who knows uh, what their process was, but that could be mirrored in what Lan yeah. Lana has done with it. Neil Patrick Harris, two things I want to bring up here. Um, I, I kind of, as I was talking about it on the trailer reaction, it occurred to me that this could be like Rocky Balboa. This is in essence, Neo and Trinity possibly handing the next trilogy off to Yaya Abdul-Mateen's character and, the, and that whole crew that's coming and that's new. Is this Rocky handing it off to Adonis to essentially become Creed? This is a new trilogy, a, a, essentially a soft reboot with all the characters coming back. We saw that with Star Wars. We saw it in the Rocky series. Is this that situation? And also, is Jonathan Groff the villain? Is Jonathan Groff the villain of this? He's at the end in the black. Some people are speculating that he's a young version of the architect. So is he the main villain in this? So I, there's a lot there's, of, what do you guys think? There's also speculation that he's Agent Smith oh, online right now. could be. That's there's also too. Like There's that. that really briefly, I don't know if it's in the full trailer or if it was just in those two brief teasers they showed, but there is definitely a shot where Jonathan Groff's mouth is all uh, yes. gumming together the way that Agent Smith did to Neo. Yeah. And people online are like, ooh, is that Neo doing that to him? Um, my favorite tweet was the one that had a picture of Neil Patrick Harris in his office and Jonathan Groff in his office. And it said, the new Matrix movie is really about trying to find the perfect gay therapist. And I was like, well, that, that, that's the real twist, y'all. That's what the movie really is. <laughs> the the moment where you do see his his mouth kind of you know coming mm -hmm. like gelling together, um, there is a distinct and it's a quick shot, but I mean there is a distinct lack of panic 
on his part. Yeah. Yeah. And generally when that happens, it's just kind of like, okay, this is a person in a situation that they are in control of. Yeah. Um, and also now correct me if I'm wrong, but on the, the teaser of the tease, the, the red pill, blue pill teaser, mm-hmm. right? Which that you- is him. And that is Jonathan Groff in the blue. That's not Neil Patrick Harris, right? The, right. the VO. Cause it's Yaya yeah. in the red one, yeah. but, it, but it sounds like it, it would only kind of make sense that Groff is the villain. Right. I, I think he, I, if I were going to guess right now, which yeah. is clearly what we're doing, uh, I I would put Groff as the villain. Yeah, I don't think. sell me NPH as the villain. I won't buy it at all. I'll be really mad. Jonathan Groff, absolutely. He can carry that. If he's King George, for fuck's sake, he can play the villain. It's not an issue. And I, I love the fact also that on the website, none of that footage is in the trailer. So that's, yeah. that's separate footage, which is great. And I loved the separate footage we got there combined with the footage we got in the trailer is really, really exciting. One thing, though, Trinity, when he puts his hand on Trinity's face, the code is still going down her face. So yeah. that's the thing. At the end, I, I wonder if she's still alive. I just don't know if she's a thing that's been created within the Matrix. I just I mean, she's, but also. She's, sorry, go ahead. Also, I was going to say, like, I mean, are also, you know, there's the alive versus created into the created in the Matrix versus machine. Right. Versus all of this. And like. Is uh, like I think that we're just getting this trailer, and it does, to Shannon's point, have that Force Awakens feel of sort of like we're gonna hit the same beats again. Mm. But this is just the first trailer. I think that's the jumping off point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we're going. There's gonna be some big twists and turns about like you know. I don't think this is just the humans that are enslaved versus the machines that are keeping them there anymore. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we've probably moved past that into some different, more muddy territory, yeah. if I were going to guess. Someone is saying, some, I saw someone speculate that we're going even deeper into the Matrix, that the, the 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 red pill is even deeper, that there's more levels to this than originally thought. So that's possible, Mike, what you were saying. Sorry, Shannon, go ahead. Well, no, at the end, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because it has been a long time since I've seen the Matrix Revolutions. Mm. Um, but by the end, like, she, she's been stabbed through the chest yeah. in the ship, and Neo leaves. And so, and so we don't know what happened to her. We don't know if the machines got a hold of her. Like we saw the machines kind of carry Neo away. Right. So like, we don't know if the machines got her. We don't know if the the, the humans got her. Like that's sort of a big, that's a big question mark right now. So is this, is this a situation where the machine, the humans are maybe keeping her alive because if the machines had both of them, it doesn't make a whole lot. Like at first glance, at least it doesn't make a whole lot there's not a whole lot of conflict there if they have both of them and they end up just finding each other in the matrix. Like you would think that the humans have gotten her and are keeping her alive uh, some somehow. And that's how, that's how they find each other. I mean, again, I could be wrong. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I, I was separate from. Well, no, go ahead. I had something bigger to say about Warner Brothers, but what were you going to say oh, about okay. what Shannon just was saying? Real quick, um, uh, you know, re- the way Revolutions ends, he's essentially the Christ character, being carried off, sacrificed, whatever. Resurrections is three days later in the Christ story. Resurrections is three days later, and we see that glimpse of Neo seeing an old version of himself in the mirror, which is really interesting. So. And and uh, uh, Last Temptation of Christ is all speculating about the time he's hanging on the cross just before he dies. He goes into this fever dream of another life with Mary Magdalene. So is this still keeping to the tenets of a, of a pseudo-religious story that was bubbling underneath uh, throughout all three of those original films um, by naming it Resurrections and by having him, is this him embracing 
the end? Is this him accepting his death? What is this process here? Are we dealing with with loss again as we've been dealing in the Marvel Universe for the last few months? I wonder. So it lets me speculate. Mike, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Warner Brothers? No, I was going to say, I, I think I think Warner Brothers is very happy today. Oh, uh, I, I think I think that, you know, uh, we, <laughs> I, I think that DC DC is sort of a mixed bag for them. I, you know, they're they're kind of recovering from not being as happy with how Suicide Squad did. Uh, you know, Di- Disney's got Marvel killing it over here with what if right now we're all super stoked about Eternals. We're super stoked about No Way Home. Star Wars, you know, like B- Book of Boba's coming out. As we were just talking about, Paramount is doubling down on Star Trek. And, uh, you know, Harry Potter is a giant question mark for Warner Brothers. And so I think they're really happy that this movie that, you know, had the original Matrix that was so great and the second two that are a mixed bag for a lot of people to have this trailer come out and have this kind of reaction that, you know, the fact that we're sitting here talking about it and that everyone's kind of excited about it online uh, they must feel really good because, you know, it's a question mark. Do people mm-hmm. still care about the Matrix? Will people still be interested? And the answer is clearly, whether you are super, super stoked or cautiously optimistic, most yeah. people are like, yeah, I really, really want this and I really want to know what's going on. And I mean, that for Warner Brothers is a big win today. Will it be a big win when the movie comes out? We'll see. But for right now, this is a huge win for them because this means that it is still a very, very viable franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shannon? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll find out <laughs> just a few months. Yeah, the Matrix Resurrections right now. The trailer dropped at six a.m. this morning as we're recording this. It's at nine hundred fifty-four thousand views already in five hours. So um, we shall see where it leads to overall, how many uh, views it ends up uh, having. But uh, that's, I think, that's a damn good start for yeah. uh, for something that has been out in just under twenty years. So uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, any final words before we wrap up? Okay, I uh, just hope we don't have another Raven Zion. Let's just let's just see what oh. happens. Yeah. <laughs> although although I do need to revisit, I will. Do, I need to revisit it because when I saw that Raven Zion, that was before I went to Burning Man, which is basically that rave in real life. So maybe I'll feel differently about it now. We'll see. I'm probably gonna feel the same. Zion, hear me. Oh no. Uh, anyway, all right, let's get out of here. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel and get all sorts of berry goodness, you can follow him at MKTune <laughs> and you can follow Mr. Roca at at the Roca says. Absolutely. Mikey. Well, listen, uh, if you like Geek Buddies and you want to go deeper, you could take the red pill or you could take the blue pill. Spoiler alert. They both do the same thing because we just want to keep you here. There's no pills that get you out of the Geek Buddies. You're in. Um, But if you want to keep helping us out, here's some stuff that you can do. Uh, Hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Tons of amazing content. Uh, More reviews from us. Spoiler reviews from the shows. We have a great interview with Kay Cannon, who wrote and directed Cinderella, up on the page right now. Obviously, John has a ton of other amazing content. Um, Leave your comments below. What did you think of that strawberry shortcake tease? Uh, What do you think of all the Star Trek trailers, Aquaman suit, and more importantly, what do you think of this Matrix trailer? What do you think is 
is going on? What did we miss? Is there something we're not seeing? What are your theories? Like, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to check all that out. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And most importantly, share this video, retweet this video, tell everybody to check out Geek Buddies on YouTube or the Geek Buddies podcast on the go. Uh, It brings more buddies to the table and we like having friends. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, that's it from us. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.